I, uh, well, great. I got a lot of time. <laughs> but I'm going to be sharing something tonight about uh, things that we need to know. How God operates. Everything about living for God is understanding. And I keep saying it in church. I don't know where God just gave me that understanding. What I look for, principles to live by. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what the word is all about. Sometimes as you read through the scriptures, you're just reading stories. And you're wondering, why do I need to read all these stories? And for Paul Young uh, one man begat another. You've read that before? <laughs> and then the, begat, and the guy said, I'm not going to read this book. That was the first time he picked up the Bible. He says, this is just a story of one man begotten, begotten another person. I might as well read the telephone directory, he said. <laughs> and he says, don't worry, read. Because out of it, you start discovering principles to live by. And if you live by those principles, these are laws. Laws governing your uh, spiritual life, the spiritual realm, and laws governing the, natu- governing the natural realm as well. And if you go along with the laws, they, you, you receive blessings from God. If you go against them, then you receive curses. The thing is, study the Word of God so that you can obtain principles to live by. And then you don't have to worry about anything else. You don't have to worry about who is watching, what's going on, what this preacher is doing, what that preacher is saying. You know God's principles to live by, and then you're doing the best you can. And then God blesses you. So tonight, I want to go into some things that happened with a centurion that asked for prayer from Jesus, and some things that I believe he knew that even the Jews didn't know about their God. That's an amazing thing. He knew things about God that the Jews in the time of Christ, maybe all the way back, didn't know about God. And Jesus commended him for, for it. And so we want to talk about knowing what the centurion knew. We want to know what he knew. And why, because of this centurion, Jesus opened the window, a tiny window, said certain things that Paul, I mean that Peter, Andrew, James, John, they didn't know what he was talking about. And they struggled with it. Which later became revealed to them. And you can read about the revelation of that in Acts chapter 10 and chapter 11. They devoted two chapters to this one thing because they were blind. And yet, Jesus opened the curtain when this man acted. I I told you on Sunday, sometimes you can do just one thing in faith, and your life is totally transformed. Just one act of faith can transform your destiny. Totally. It just happened one day, and the next day is a new day. Your life is totally changed. And gradually, God brings you to your destiny. And that's what I look for when I study the word. Amen. Father, we just ask for your blessings tonight. Speak to us and encourage us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7. 
And then also you want to hold on to uh, Matthew chapter 8. Example, we go in there as well. Luke chapter 7. Beginning from verse 1. It says, Now when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard, that's the centurion, heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I do not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to the one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. That was all he said. And then Jesus, he says, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled. He was amazed. Just words that were spoken to him through others sent by the centurion to him. Jesus was amazed at him. And turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Turn with me to Matthew. I didn't give that. Matthew chapter 8. The same story, but I'm going to start from verse 11. After, well, let me start from verse uh, 10. He said, when Jesus heard this, he, was, he, was, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. I haven't seen it. That's what Jesus was saying. And he said, he said and I say to you that many will come from the east and west. And sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That was the window I'm talking about. Where Jesus for once made them know. And they didn't understand what he was saying. In other words, he was telling them Gentiles are going to be in the kingdom. They're going to be a part of it. They heard it. They didn't understand what he was saying. It meant nothing to them. But because of this man's faith, this word, Jesus couldn't hold back. He let it out. A great revelation. So they will know. 
What Jesus was saying is, according to what is written here in the scripture, learn from this man. He knows something that most of us don't know. He knew something that most people or all of Israel didn't know concerning God and understanding God. I need to know what he knew. Because Jesus said, I don't know if he went back to the days of Abraham. He says, I've never seen anything like this. There were only two times in the scriptures that Jesus, that is recorded for us, that Jesus was amazed or marveled. Two times. And when you see things like that, you need to take note. It's important. Anything that will startle God is important. I've got to know what this is. What is this that made Jesus to be amazed? That's God. God is amazed at a man. What did this man know and what did he do that caused God to be amazed? And he turned around and he spoke words to his disciples. And he said, assuredly, in other words, I'm not lying to you. This is the truth. I've never seen anything like this in Israel. It's coming from a Gentile. This man knows what, what God is. That's what he's saying. And I need to know what that man knew. Can you go away? You understand what I'm saying? I need to know what he knew about God. That caused Jesus to be amazed. And just went back. He said, you got what you want. And I'm sure he didn't just walk off. And, Let's go to the next thing. No, I'm sure he was thinking about what he just heard. Jesus was from that man. But something I would like you to see about this, this, the quality of this man, man's life. He was a centurion. He was a master in Israel. He was the one that had, the Jews were under his authority. He was a foreigner. But had power and dominion over the Jews. And notice what he did. He sent elders. He didn't go to Jesus. He picked the elders of the Jews. These were elders that he believed Jesus would respect and maybe listen to his need. And what was he doing this for? His servant. He loved his servant. Why did he have so much love for his servant? And you need to know what it was in their time. He didn't care. He was a Roman soldier. They kill people, you know. He didn't care. None of his servant died. Get another one. But he was a different man. Even though he was a Gentile, he knew God. And he knew God intimately. Amazing. So he sent these Jews, and they respected. They went to Jesus. They knew this was important, Jesus. You got to do this, they said. Yeah, he's a centurion, but can you think about Jews not even concerned about a rabbi going into a Gentile's home? Peter wouldn't do that, remember? Acts 10. He wouldn't go in there. He said, God made me to do this. You know how hard it is for a Gentile to come in, I mean for a Jew to come into a house of a Gentile. Do you remember the centurion? Cornelius? He, got, he took an angel from heaven to persuade, I mean a, a miracle from heaven to persuade Peter to go. 
Yeah, I'm not going there. I don't eat anything. God said, you got to go with them. Don't ask any question. And he got in there, even though he had seen all those miracles, and God, he's, he's heard about what the angel did with Cornelius. He heard all of that. But he still felt compelled to tell Cornelius, this is not right for me to come in here. But think about it. The Jews, the elders, were convincing the rabbi to go into the house of a Gentile. Think about that. Why? They said he loved our nation. In other words, he loves our people. Do you love God's people? How great is your love for God's people? He loved God's people. Another thing they said of him is, he's even built us a church for us to worship. But he can't worship in that church. Do you know that? He's a Gentile. He's not welcome. Would you do that? He's considered so low because he's a Gentile. And I'm sure all along he was thinking in his mind, Oh God, I, I just love you. I wish I were born a Jew so I can be a part of this. I'll really have fun with this. I love this God. You guys got a great God. That's the way he was. Even though he was a Gentile, God knew him. You see? He built them a church where he, was, he himself was not allowed to worship him. He couldn't go there. But he was glad to do it. He was for their God that he honored. Notice, one of the key things that God looks in a man, one of the things he knew, you have to humble yourself before God. Humility is the key. He knew that. He was a man of stature, a centurion, big shot. But he recognized something. When he heard about Jesus, I'm sure he, he'd be investigated. We don't investigate very much, right? He investigated. He knew. Look at what he said to Jesus. Lord, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is a Roman soldier. He recognized who he was. He is the master. He humbled himself. He even said, you, this is too much. Don't come to my home. I am not worthy for you to come into my home. I believe that Jesus really knew who this man was. He was willing to go to his home, take the risk, and go into a Gentile's home. He had no question he was going to do that. I wonder what would happen if we invite Jesus to come how is he going to respond? I believe he will because we are believers. But we need to understand this about this man. How he operated with God. There are three things I want to share tonight about what I believe this man knew of his God. The servant was sick. Love for the servant. And I'm sure he was at the point of death. We don't know how long the servant had been sick. But he was very worried he was going to lose this guy. And, and I'm sure after the guy, I'm, he, I'm sure they told him what Jesus said, but he was glad. His servant got healed. I know I'll see this man someday in heaven, amen? <laughs> I know he's there, no doubt in my mind. You can't have the greatest of all faith and be in hell. He's there. 
He knew Jesus. He probably was around when Jesus was crucified. He knew everything that happened. There's a lot in scriptures as you study. And how blessed we are to know all of this. And to be able to study and draw from what these guys experienced. One thing that this guy knew, he knew who he was dealing with. He knew who Jesus is. He called him Lord. But also he knew that nothing is impossible to God. Nothing is impossible. You know, in, Gen- in Genesis chapter 18, God dealing with Abraham and Sarah, when God visited with Sarah, and God said, you know, Sarah was going to have a child. And she was already 90 years old. And Sarah was saying, this is, is this a joke? <laughs> is this really going to happen? And this is what God said. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for God? No matter what you're going through, this guy, his servant was at the point of death, but he knew about this rabbi, and regardless, he didn't want him to come and touch his servant. Just speak a word. He is going to be healed. He knew nothing is impossible with God. Is anything too hard for the Lord at the appointed time? This is important. At the appointed time, I will return to you. You see, God always has an appointed time. There is nothing that's too hard for God. No matter what you're going through, there is nothing that's too hard for God. My wife and I, we've seen even this week, it's just one day, Angie, just one day of prayer, and we can already see God's hand. Just one day. You can see everything reversed. There is nothing too hard for God. This man knew that we need to know that. There is always an appointed time. God, even before you got to that situation, he already knew, he knows what he's going to do, and he planned it to deliver you and to help you. There is no need to be worried, especially the way I believe. I know God is with the people of the Ark Fellowship. Relax. God's going to take care of you. Just do what you know to do. It, it may be long, but God's going to deliver you. If it's long and it's painful, then you have a, a, a better, a real nice book to write about. <laughs> so people can read what God is doing with your life when it's really difficult. So God has an appointed time. He will return to you. He didn't leave, but he returns at the appointed time, and he's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. This man knew that. The angel Gabriel said to Zacharias, For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Do you have an impossible situation? It's really difficult. You don't know what to do. You're perplexed by it. Relax. Turn to God and enter into his rest. Just enter into his rest. The bad Jesus said, all you that labor and are heavy laden, come. Come. Rest. I think you will have victory if you can rest in times of difficulty. That means you trust him. He's going to take care of you. 
I'm reminded of the woman that had the issue of blood. She had been in different places for 12 years. And then when she heard about Jesus, she settled in her, in her heart. This is it. I found it. This is it. This is it. I'm, I'm going to be free now. And I'm sure she was full of joy. And strength came entered into her body. As she walked through the crowd, pushing people away until she got really close to him. And God received a miracle. We must believe that. Another thing that the fellow knew, knew is that God's word is a word of authority. There is authority with regards to God's words. Words are very important. One thing that I want to share with you tonight is this concerning words. I have it in the book that I wrote. Language, words, are only spoken by spirit beings. Animals don't speak in language. They have other ways of communication, but never language. Language and words for spirit beings... God reserved that for spirit beings. And your words carry authority. Just like your maker's word. Even those who are not saved, their words carry authority. Words can change things. Words can make your feelings to change from one type of feeling just by hearing words. You'll feel different. Just few words. You, you can start crying by just hearing a few words that you believe. Words are so powerful. Words have been reserved for spirit beings. God uses words for communication. And whatever He wants to do, He uses words. When you are tempted, Satan doesn't force you. He uses words. Right? Words are so important. That's the key. Understand that you are a spirit being and your words has your words have authority. And what you say has authority. You have to understand that. Now with God, that's real power. When he speaks his word, and that's what this man under, understood, and that's what he was saying. I say to my servant, do this. He does it. I get what I say. That's what he's saying. I get what I say. And you being God, if you say it, oh, it's good, it's done. So you don't need to come to my home. Just speak the word. He understood that. I don't need you to come and pray in my home. Just say it. Release it. Let it go. And my servant will be okay. He didn't, he didn't go out. He didn't even attempt to go out to talk to Jesus. Uh, tell him to just release the word. And he was sitting by his servant waiting for the word to work. Right? And he got what he wanted. Because Jesus released the word. And all Jesus said, go your way. You, you receive what you believe for. That was all he said. And he was released. Words are so important. What you say, he understood the power of words. Especially the Word of God. 
when the Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, This book of the law shall not, what? From where? From your mouth. Do you hang a book in your mouth? It's the word. You want to be successful? Speak the words. Don't deviate from what the book says. Stay with, always stay with what the book says. Even if what's happening in the natural is pressuring you to say what you see in the natural, know what you see in the natural, but hesitate to say anything about what you see in the natural, especially if it contradicts what the Word says. You speak only what the Word says. The man understood the power of words. Many said, let him lay his hands. He said, let him speak the Word. Those that wanted hands laid, Jesus said, this faith is greater than the faith of those who wanted hands laid. Can you get it? This is greater faith. The Jews actually came to him, I believe in Matthew chapter 9, and they begged him to lay hands on them. So that they, but this guy didn't want that. He said, speak the word and he's going to be healed. This is a bigger way. This is a greater way of faith. In other words, he understood the principles of faith and how faith works. He knew it. This guy had it down. He knew it. I don't, just, I don't believe that Jesus was just amazed at those words. He was amazed at the understanding and the wisdom that this fellow had. Now, when Jesus went to uh, Nazareth, he said the people were amazed at him. They were angry. They said, where did he get this wisdom? So that these miracles are being done, signs and wonders are done by him. So it's the wisdom of God that produces the signs and the miracles. And they knew it. And this guy knew he had that wisdom. He knew. He had the revelation and the understanding that words are powerful, and especially God's words, when spoken, they are instant to get instant miracle. These are some principles we must learn. And scriptures is very clear. The word of God is told us over and over again. The power of words. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in them day and night. You know the word meditate, what it means? The literal meaning is moderate to yourself. Not sit down in, you know, that load and move. That's not meditate. Some of us meditate while we go into deep meditation while we're praying. It's called snoring, you know, kidding. <laughs> But you mutter. That's what he's saying. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but mutter it to yourself day and night so that you can make, you will know how to do Because the word will release the power for you to do what the word says. And then you will now have the power to make your way prosperous. And you have good success just by speaking those words. That's what God says. The power of words. This fellow knew that. 
And I'm still going to be praying and asking God, give me more revelation on this, how important it is. Now, that doesn't mean you live um, a life of fear. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. It's like law kind of thing. Just let it come natural from your heart. Amen? Well, I just said that. I canceled that. You're living in fear. It doesn't mean anything. But you understand the principle, and when it can't, you know what to say. Because he, he, this, this is business. Amen? It's spiritual business. And it's important to you. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 18 verse 21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, life or death will come to you based on what's coming from your mouth. You can destroy your life through what you're saying. You may say you are just being honest. You are just being honestly stupid. No, <laughs> By saying things that you shouldn't be saying. Well, I'm just being real. Well, if it's contradicting God's word, you are not being real according to God. You stay with what God says. Because if you keep speaking death, you will attract death death to yourself. If you keep cursing your finances by repeating what's happening, that's exactly what's going to happen to you. You will never get out of it until you believe God's word and you begin to say, as we've studied in the past three weeks, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I didn't know when I memorized this scripture as a kid that this was going to be very important to me. <laughs> it's so important to me. No matter what, I, I just revert. I mean, I, even in my sleep, I'm thinking through the same scripture over and over again. I repeat it to myself. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Slowly but surely, God will take me to the destiny that he has prepared for me. I will let him choose my destiny. But I will stay with his word. Life and death are in the power of the, of the tongue. Now, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 through 37, it says, But I say to you, for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. I always wondered, why would I have to give account for an idle word? If it's just an idle word, I didn't mean it. It was an idle word. It was a nothing word in my mind. I was just talking. But God said you are going to give account for your idle words on the day of judgment because your idle words are not really idle. They're doing something. They're killing you or killing the one you're speaking them against. They're doing something. You know, it's amazing how Christians don't understand. You know, when I go overseas and I'm ministering to people, I've had people come to me and they're telling me I'm suffering because this person put a curse on me. Some of my Nigerian brothers will not understand that, right? They come to me and say, the baby won't come down. I'm 12 months pregnant because he put a curse on me. He said, until the sky touches the earth, that baby is not going to come down. And she's with there then. I said, well, uh, we'll cancel that in the name of Jesus and the baby is going to come down. His word for word, okay? He spoke his word and I speak my word in the name of Jesus and we'll see the result. The baby come, came down. Amen? Words are very important. What you say. 
I do that a lot. You know, I'm a pastor. I don't know what people say about me. <laughs> some of them good, some of them bad. So, but some days, I think Michael probably heard me do that here a lot. I say, uh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You heard me saying that in the morning. I mean it. And every word that's been spoken against my life, I cancel with the blood of Jesus. I do that constantly. And it feels good to do it. I don't know what they've said. I don't care. But none of it is going to affect my destiny. I say it. I pray that a lot here. I'm sure he's heard me do that so many times. You have to find principles of the, in the scriptures and do what the word says. You can't do it. Just because I know it doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. Just because I believe the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I, I still have to speak it constantly over my life, over my family. Because uh, I got a family here. Amen? And you're my family as well. Amen? So I pray for you and I speak the words over the our fellowship. This is a prosperous church. It's going to be. The members are going to be very prosperous. I agree with Brother Roy this, this evening. God is going to prosper this church. You see? You see? It says, for by your words you will be justified. In other words, you will be made righteous, saved, set apart, freed. You know, when they bring you to court, you know, and they say, he's innocent, he can go. Yeah, you're free to soar. And the same words that you speak, you will be condemned. It's your words. James says it this way, James chapter 3, verse 2 through 5. He says, for we stumble in many things including himself, right? We stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is what? A perfect man. But we all stumble in words, right? We stumble in many things. But if a man is able to get to the place where he doesn't stumble in word, he is a perfect person, perfect man, and able to bridle the whole body. In other words, he gets his body under control, everything on his body, concerning his body, everything is under control. He's not going to be sick or all of that kind of stuff. He's got it under control. How is he doing it? His words. Just his words. What he's saying. Many times people say things and all they're looking for is sympathy. If I have to look for sympathy, I don't go to men. I go to God. That's who I talk to about the problems I'm going through. Just like David did. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths and they, that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. In other words, your mouth will turn your whole body to that direction. Whatever you're speaking, your whole life will go after what you're saying. That's what he's saying. Look also at ships. Although they are so large, and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, even uh, wherever the pilot desires. So the tongue uh, is your pilot. <laughs> Whatever that pilot says, that's where you're going. <laughs> you know how you sit in the plane and you don't know what the pilot's doing? Wherever the pilot wants to take you, 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 you pay for your ticket and you believe you are going to Jamaica 
He could take you to Nigeria. How would you know? You sit in the plane, right? You're screaming after you get out. Is this Jamaica? I don't look like it. But you sat down comfortably because you're riding, right? Your tongue would do the same. It says the tongue is just like that. That's how powerful the tongue is. I'm going to close with this. It's so important. And I'm not going to read the scripture. I will tell the story. There is a real significant story in Mark chapter 11 uh, where Jesus spoke to the tree. You remember that? He was giving them an object lesson. He spoke to the tree and they heard him say that. And they went, you know, he was going from Bethany to Jerusalem and then in the evening he would leave Jerusalem and go back to Bethany. They heard him curse the tree and Nobody said anything, they, but it was in your heart. They were waiting what's going to happen. He cursed the tree, and the tree was still green. They went to Jerusalem, and that evening they went back, and I'm sure they went by the tree, and they all observed the tree, that the tree was still okay. And, and, and they went back. And then the next day they were coming back, and they all saw the tree, dried from the roots. And Peter was saying, Lord, look, the tree, <laughs> as if he couldn't see the tree, the tree you cursed, he's dead. He was excited. You know what Peter was saying? How did you do that? <laughs> Amen. They all could see it, right? Jesus could see the tree. Don't show him the tree. He was standing right there. Lord, look, the tree is dead. How did you do that? How did that happen? He was so quick. And Jesus said, let me tell you. Amen? Let me tell you. If you have faith, he said, it's a grain of mustard seed. You can have all the faith. Huge faith. If you don't say anything, nothing happens. If you have faith, small as the grain of mustard seed, that's good. Speak. You can say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and you have what you say. Nothing said about prayer. Nothing said about prayer. He then he went from that into prayer. When you pray, believe. In other words, you pray, you believe. And as soon as you got your title deed, you start speaking the word. And after that, you got no fear. I've been praying a lot about the building. When I don't have the rest, some weeks, months back, I, you know, I don't have rest about it. What's going to happen? Uh, I got to the place I have rest. I am in real rest. Don't worry about it. I know everything is going to be taken care of. We're going to be able to pay our bills. We don't have to beat the bush. Nothing. God's going to bring the money. We'll pay our bills. It's going to be okay. I don't worry. He's gone. But you pray until you have that rest. You enter into his rest. And then you can say, it's no big deal. God's going to take care of us. God's going to do it. And if there is a God in heaven, that's the way I tell myself. As long as God is, God is, it's going to be okay for me. 
if I'm not doing right, switch and do what I believe is right. And then I mean, it's good, he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. He loves us so much. There's the principle of faith that we have to. You see, God cannot overlook his word just because you are a good person. He's laid down these spiritual laws that he will not break for anybody. You have to comply with these spiritual laws for it to work. It doesn't have anything to do with how good you attend church services. It has to do whether you are operating according to the spiritual laws, which is the spirit of faith. And so in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, it says very clearly there, and since we have the same spirit of faith, what do we have? The same spirit of faith according to what is written. I believed and therefore I spoke. If you believe, you need to speak. We also believe and we speak. So that man knew the word and he told Jesus, you speak. You are the one with the authority. You speak and my servant will be healed. But you know, God has given you the authority today. I am the light of the world, Jesus said. But today he says, you are the light of the world. He, as the light of the world, spoke then. Today, you as the light of the world need to be speaking. And what you speak will come to pass. Because you are a spirit being. And being born again, you have the DNA of our God. And you can speak the same words. Tonight, if you're hurting, whether financially, in your relationship, whatever that is, you need to start speaking what you believe God's going to do for you. Amen? Say it. It's not just say for sure. Say, this is what I believe. And keep saying it. This is what I believe God's going to do for me. And keep repeating it. Keep repeating it till those who have heard you say it so many times are tired of hearing it. <laughs> Sometimes that's when the miracle will take place. Because you are not giving up. You're saying what you believe God told you to say. And what God is putting in your heart. Stand up with me tonight. There's always an appointed time. Your appointed time can be today. The Bible says, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Why don't you receive salvation and release into your situation tonight and believe God for your situation? God is with you. Amen? Say it with me. God is with me. God is with you. You have no reason to be afraid of anything. Don't allow your mind to be tormented. Fear has torment. Don't be afraid of anything. If you trust God, He will not disappoint you. God cannot disappoint you. That's not His nature. So get away from the fear and begin to believe the God that you've entrusted your life into it.
You've done that into his hands. You've entrusted your life into his hands. He's going to take care of you. He's engraving you in the palm of his arms. He won't forget you. There's always an appointed time. Say it. I have my appointed time. God, God is going to show up on that time. He says, I will return again to you at the appointed time. He's coming to you. Amen. Let's lift our hands to the Lord tonight. And for your appointed time, for prosperity, for peace in every area of your life, I speak prosperity and peace, success, because that's God's divine will for your life and my life. As you are successful, I am successful. Amen. As you grow, I grow. We are in this together. May the Lord bless you so much. May you see His goodness. May everything that is contrary to His will disappear from your life. May God pour His goodness upon you. May you be baptized with His goodness. May you sleep with God's peace. And may you enter into that great rest that Jesus brought from heaven. He said, I came that you might have life and have it so abundantly. He wants you to have that abundant life. God has that. It's His will for you. Receive God's will for your life. Father, I thank you for your people and for your word today. You've declared to us that your word will not return to you void. We can stand and walk on water on your word. Not just on water, but on your word. We walk on water. Lord, that's what we desire. Help us to release our faith in you. Help us not to be ashamed of what you've told us. Help us to get rid of doubt so that we can receive all that you have for us. Thank you, Father. I bless your people, God. And they are blessed according to your word. They are truly blessed. And you are with them forever. According to your word, O oh God, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will return to you. That's what you said, God. And we're grateful for that. Thank you, Father, tonight. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Turn to your fellow. Let them know they're blessed. Tell them, you're blessed. You are blessed. Jason, you are blessed. You are a blessed man. And you're going somewhere to happen. (laughs) 